we'd like to welcome you to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. Join our experienced consultants live in an open discussion defining what it takes to be a successful shop. Here's what's coming up. Let's paint this picture uh, of what I'd like to see my business look like, right? And then we structure the business around that. I, I want everybody to get what they need, but I, I don't want to do it at the detriment of other shop owners. They both can work, but you've got to decide, you know, what it means to work. If I'm the guy that says, look, we're going to do the inspection, we're going to make sure that we're making the profit that we're supposed to, we're going to sell the part at this price, we're going to sell the labor at this price, and I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to negotiate. For a better business, a better life, a better industry, the Institute's leading edge. All right. All right. Now, <laughs> one more time. Welcome to Facebook's live event, uh, Leading Edge. This is uh, sponsored by the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. That's us. And uh, we have uh, several of our consultants and coaches online. Uh, and the purpose of this really is to answer your questions. So uh, we would love to have you ask us whatever questions, business questions, uh, sales questions, management questions, marketing questions. Um, everything except how to fix a car. Now, Patrick and uh, BJ and Ryan probably all can answer how to fix a car questions, but that's not what we're here about. And I used to be a technician, but that was um, 100 pounds ago, and, uh, 15 years ago, so I'm not qualified. Um, with us today live on our event, we have uh, uh, BJ Lee. Uh, BJ is coming to us live from his truck on the Southern California freeways. Uh, BJ and I have known each other for 35 years, uh, about, and I knew his life when I hired him 35 years ago. We've worked together for mo much of that time, owned shops together. Uh, BJ, how long have you been with the Institute now? About, uh, well, if you count the first seven, about 12 years? Probably total. Um, there was some stuff in between there that we did when I was uh, when I was running my own shops, where uh, I would fill in for you. Um, a lot of times where you got overwhelmed, too much going on, and you'd ask me to um, take on some stuff for you from time to time. So yeah. uh, I went full time uh, the end of 2014. Uh, so I've been full time now since then. Okay. And, uh, and BJ uh, uh, has owned multiple shops throughout his career, and uh, he's one of the premier sales guys that I know of. He can sell uh, just about anything um, in some very difficult uh, places to sell. Um, we have Ryan Klo. Ryan, uh, his car broke down um, about seven years ago. Uh, he went into a shop that was one of our <laughs> clients. Uh, he liked it so much that he chased us down and became a client himself. And then uh, when he was through with the program, uh, decided that he wanted to help other shops. And so uh, Ryan currently owns two shops in the Cincinnati area. And if you want to see the Garage Mahal, you go to Dubworks, D-U-B-W-E-R-X.com, and uh, you'll be able to see the Garage Mahal. Ryan's got a, a great, uh, great business. Um, we also have uh, uh, Patrick uh, Howard. Uh, Patrick uh, uh, came as a manager for one of our shops that we were working with uh, about three and a half years ago or so. I met uh, Patrick and uh, uh, fairly recently bought his own shop. He's knocking it out of the park uh, with that place and uh, um, doing exceptionally well in Brea, California. And Patrick is also uh, one of our coaches and consultants and uh, does a lot of our sales training. 
uh, also we're designing some cool stuff uh, together. Um, so the whole purpose of this really is to answer your questions. And uh, we're hoping that uh, many of you come online today and that uh, you have questions. If you see this later, because we're going to repost it and you have questions, you can get those questions answered at questions at IFORABE.com. And if you're on Facebook Live and you type questions in, we'll be able to see those questions and get those questions answered uh, pretty quickly. So since we don't have a, a large audience yet and uh, we don't have any questions typed in, uh, we're going to begin uh, uh, with a couple of different topics. And one of the topics that we're going to talk about is uh, understanding your value or knowing your value, what, what your business is worth. Um, I'm going to pose a question here. We have um, this interesting debate online and, and kind of almost throughout the industry right now uh, about gross profit dollars per hour and, and, and gross profit margin. Higher average repair orders, fewer customers or more customers and potentially or probably lower average repair order. Um, the question is, um, a lot of people are saying, a lot of people, some, that it doesn't really matter uh, whether you have a low average repair order or or, um, or you discount your pricing, uh, even on the fly with your customer negotiating, as long as you make those gross profit dollars that you want to per hour uh, in your business. So at the end of the day, uh, I don't know, $200 an hour, uh, we made uh, uh, you know $200 an hour at the end of the day uh, because we brought in the dollars and accepted that job, even though it was less than what we would have sold it for normally. Um, wh what What are your thoughts on that? I, I kind of probably know, and I'm, uh, but but what are your thoughts on that? There is certainly a discussion about that out there. So let's start with BJ. BJ, what what's your thoughts on that? Well, when I think about that, I think about. Um, well, we could really get to a good number if we move a bunch of cars in and out all day, and we if we get it done fast enough, even if it's cheap, we can achieve those numbers, right? Uh, I don't know if you can if you can handle quality doing things that way. So for me, um, I would rather move less cars in. I'd rather do a good quality job on each car that is in the shop uh, to give my customer the best value than uh, than the other way around. I ju I just can't see it working the other way around. Um, not where you can have a good culture in the business and really take care of your customer. So I, I want to clarify something. When you talk about a good culture in the business, um, you know, I, I would, I would, I'm going to be the argument uh, uh, the other way. Uh, if I take good care of that customer and they like me, and we only do a $280 or $310 average order, but we run 25 cars instead of 13, um, the customer still likes me. I still have a good culture. So when you're talking about culture. Is it more than that, or 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 what? And Patrick, I see you shaking yeah. your head. So well, well, yeah. I, I I'm sorry. I, I just think that when you say the customer likes you because it's a two or three hundred dollar job and they're happy because it was cheap, um, they're going to like you today. But if you're not the cheapest next month, uh, they're not going to like you next month. Well, okay. What if they really like me and they and they come back next month or the three months later, um, and I because I treat them so well. Um, they still like me. So culturally, I'm, tr I'm trying to get somewhere with this, um, uh, frankly. And I think culture is more than if my customer likes me. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's more than that. So um, I can see your point, BJ. I can see that 
you know, with a discount customer, if I'm discount marketing and I'm bringing that person in as a discount customer, it might be difficult to, to the loyalty is not the same as a relationship based customer. Correct. Right. That's, that's what I, I believe. That's what I believe. Uh, okay. Now, now Patrick, you, you're up there shaking your head. Well, no, no, or, or so yeah. we're going to let you go next. And then I think I have a, I, I think with Ryan, I probably have the, the, the one dissenter that's going to give us some different uh, point of view here. So go ahead. Well, my, my point is, uh, you know, when you bring in, when you're bringing that many cars in through the shop, you're, you're increasing your uh, liability. Uh, you're wearing your guys out. You know, when you talk about culture in your shop, you want to take care of not only your customers, but you got to take care of your employees. Um, and uh, am I doing, am I doing my guys any service uh, by running, uh, double the car count at half at half the dollars. Uh, you know you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna ruin your guys. Um, I know my guys love working there. Uh, we've got a steady car count. Uh, we we maximize every car. Uh, and we do a quality job, and our customers love us, and they keep coming back, and they tell all their friends about us, right? And that's how you grow a quality business. Okay, um, Ryan, what do you what are your thoughts on this? Because I think you're the one guy that might you know, have a little different uh, perception here? Well, I think without getting too philosophical, you know, there's, um, I don't know, there's a lot of discussion around this and there's going to be some different views. I think we all want to see the industry move forward and I hope that we can have a discussion and we can have a discussion in a way that honors everyone's view. And that's probably me just trying to get along with everyone. But, um, so there's a couple of points to this. I think there's a lot of different areas and we always want it to be black and white. It's just so much easier, you know, if it's just some black and white, real simple, like we're going to do it this way, we're going to do it that way. And the reality is often more complicated and I'm willing to participate in the discussions and talk about the finer points. And I think that's what we're doing here. So a couple of things I would say, there's been talk for years about margin. And I think there's been talk about, you know, gross profit or gross profit per hour. To me, they're two sides of the same coin. The coin's net profit. So, yeah. you know, if we're arguing over that, we're talking about the same thing. Same thing. We're talking about money at the end of the day. Uh, when we talk about, you know, average repair order and why that's so important, if a shop's average repair order is going too far below the national average, a couple things are happening. Uh, the shop's going to lose productivity time because uh, of non-pay time. That's technicians racking, inspecting, test driving the vehicles, and it's the time it takes the service advisor to handle the customer properly. So a shop, for its own business interest, wants to maximize that time. Now, if you have empty bays and technicians standing around, we can talk about that. That's a kind of a separate discussion. But it's not this blanket, you know, we're going to let our AOR drop. But the, probably the bigger concern that I have with, you know, uh, if there's a shop out there that says, yeah, I don't mind that my AOR is $300, I'm worried that customers are leaving without all the work done on their car. And that's more of a concern to me. Yep. Is this car going to be reliable? Have they been explained everything that they need? Did they not understand the value of the shop and they didn't trust? Like why, why are they not having all that work done? And then another even more philosophical discussion is, you know, what, what kind of customers are out there and are there different shops and, you know, could there be shops that serve different customers needs and is that okay? Uh, and I'll stop. Well, I think there's always <laughs> shops that, uh, you know, obviously there's Walmart and there's lots of people that love Walmart. Uh, my wife uh, loves to go to Walmart. She'll wander the aisles and find stuff. And I hate Walmart. Um, uh, not, not 
not even necessarily because of their business philosophy and the fact that they really grind their vendors and stuff like that. Um, and, and not even the fact necessarily that they don't pay their staff uh, necessarily what they should be paid. Um, but I hate Walmart because it's, uh, it's crowded. I hate the fact that people bump into me with their carts and they look at me like I'm, you know, why did I get in their way instead of saying, excuse me, or something like that. You can't, you can't find somebody to help you. There's, there's all these different things about it that I just, I just don't like. So I think, you know, it's okay to be the shop that you want to be. Um, and that there are customers that are just looking for discounts and that's where they're going to go. But can I be as profitable in a shop that's running discounts or negotiating on the fly uh, or not? I, I think the answer is probably got to be mathematically yes. I probably can uh, because if I run enough cars through, I do enough dollars and I do enough uh, GP dollars and I put enough money in the bottom line. But the more cars I run through, like you said, the more um, um, – what I call brown bananas, the more stuff that I can't get paid for happens in my shop. Now, yeah. along with this, so so maybe both are possible. I, I don't know that I could run a, a high-volume, uh, low-dollar ticket shop myself. I, I don't know how to do that. Um, and I, I think it's more than that. I think it's also about um, taking care of the car uh, for the customer. Um, I, would ha I just have a hard time letting a car go that did not get fully inspected and did we didn't take the time to explain to the customer what that car really needs, whether they buy it or not. Right. Um, uh, uh, Patrick, you're nodding again. Your thoughts around that. You know, I, I agree with you. You know, um, I, I don't, I, I've been in both types of shop as a technician, as a manager, um, as, as from a technician's perspective, uh, it's nice to have work, you know, um, but uh, there's a burnout factor uh, involved there. Uh, for me running my shop, uh, I prefer the model that we teach. Uh, that's inspect every car thoroughly, uh, a thorough sales process, a good sales process, explaining the value and, and, and fixing the car today so they don't have to come in on a tow truck. Uh, it does two things. Uh, increases morale in the shop. The guys have good, consistent work. Uh, the downtime, the brown bananas, you know, uh, I don't have to deal with as many of that because there's not as much racking on racking cars. Um, that's the model I choose to run. Um, I have yet to experience uh, uh, a shop that has done well with that model consistently, uh, the other model anyways. Okay. Um, uh, BJ, what, do you, what are your thoughts around that? I mean, more cars, you know, fewer, fewer dollars per car, yeah, but my, you know, my thought has been for years and years, um, you know, less cars, more dollars. Um, you know, I just, I just can't get my head around, uh, you know, you know, just the, the, you know, the, the, the traffic of, a, of twice as many cars than you need to have in the shop. You just can't take good care of each customer as well as you can if you slow the pace down and work on one car for for longer length of time so uh, if you're working on three cars a day rather than six or seven cars a day uh, i've just working with a shop in illinois that that that's just having that same exact problem they're pushing stuff in and out and i just got off the phone a little while ago with them that you know everything they're working on you know 30 percent of it's coming back you know mm -hmm. it's just you know they just can't do it it just it just can't be i just don't believe that it can be done it can't be done uh, uh, Thoroughly, the quality. It, it doesn't create a, a good quality uh, 
uh, job for the customer or for the yep. company. Yep. Right, but but some people might say, so what? I mean, it's good enough for these people that they come back or they spend their money and and uh, um, and I'm making what I need to. So so what? Um, you know, uh, again, I really have a hard time with that particular thing. I always think that whatever we're going to do, we ought to do it to the best of our ability. Right. Um, but there is this, you know, there's this discussion going on, and I think that we need to be a part of that discussion and 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 uh, to try to look at things from all views. I remember my father's shop. Dad um, would never charge what he was really worth in that shop. I don't think we took more cars than we should, but I think that ultimately it it didn't work for him. Now, now because ultimately that business failed long term. Right. I mean, he was there. He worked there. The shop, he didn't lose the shop. He actually sold it. But when he sold it, it had no real value because it wasn't doing the numbers that it needed to do. Right. Um, there's also this idea that I've spent money on marketing uh, and I have this overhead. And if I don't take this guy in, even though he won't pay my price, that I'm losing money. Uh, because, um, you know, that guy could be paying my overhead or that guy I came in because I spent money on marketing. Um, thoughts around that. We'll, we'll start with Ryan. What, what are your thoughts about me losing money on somebody who I don't work on their car? I think it's a good example of another one of those things that it's, it's not black and white. I do think that, you know, there are shops that have grown and done really well by sticking to who they are. And, you know, some of that is going to be a more philosophical or like, what kind of shop do I want to be? And, yeah. you know, things like culture and stress in the shop around some of the challenges that I think come from doing the discounting. You can't measure that stuff. So it's not going to be something where you can just easily like pick apart, you know, two shops and go, well, this method works better. They both can work, but you've got to decide, you know, what it means to work. And I do think, yes, there has been discussion around, essentially empty bays. And I think someone online said, Hey, you know, really, we're only talking like 5% of, um, you know, our, our clients that we're even talking about this with. And so part of me thinks, you know, maybe this is not as big of an issue as it needs to be, but I don't know, the word haggling came up and that doesn't, you know, have really, really good connotations. And I don't know. Um, at Dubworks, we don't have empty bays. Um, you know, we're, we're fortunate that way. I mean, not every shop's like that. So I think, you know, there's some guys out there that they just really want to grow. And I don't know. I'll be honest. I haven't done it that way. I, I, I like being open and having a discussion about it, but I don't have, you know, direct experience. I think it's possible to grow, but I think there's going to be some things that come along with that. I think, uh, you know, some customers that may need to be converted later, uh, staff challenges. How do you, you know, managing a service advisor if they are given permission to discount and we already – we already have an issue, I feel like, especially with owners and service advisors emotionally discounting. So to me, I'd have to, I'd have to think about how am I going to write a process around that so I can ensure at the end of the week, if my numbers aren't where I want to be, and I go to the service advisor and go, hey, you know, our, our GP is not where I want it to be. And they go, well, you know, I, I discounted because I wanted to get the cars full and we, we were full, but then we didn't make the money. Um, and I'm not saying there isn't a way. I just I need to kind of sit down and think about it or maybe someone can, can, can share um, – you know, their process for managing advisors to make sure that we're only, you know, and that's, that's just a hypothetical. So, so let's say that we do discount, we discount 5%. Okay. Um, 
and and uh, and now my net profit is uh, down by five percent. So I'm making fifteen percent instead of twenty percent. I'm making ten percent is five percent. The average shop in the United States is probably not making more than five percent. And uh, and uh, that's not uh, you guys, but uh, it is the average shop. And now I'm discounting on top of that, or I'm actually that's why I'm making five percent because I'm discounting. And uh, it just seems to me like it's this this um, runaround thing where I'm kind of stuck in this washing machine and can't get out of it because um, I'm not making it enough a cash flow trap. It, it can be right. Yeah. Maybe it's yeah. not. I mean, there are some people that that seem to be very successful uh, doing it. I just I can't see it for myself. Um, I've watched too many shop owners work too hard. Uh, to see it. Um, uh, hang on one sec, guys. We're, we're, I'm watching you on Facebook. So uh, David and, and Seth and Patrick, uh, uh, guys that are posting on Facebook, uh, I'm watching your stuff. Uh, please, however, if you do have a question, uh, pose that question. Uh, I know there's a lot of statements about uh, that doesn't work and that's fear running the business. And, you know, I can't have as good a product if I don't charge the better price. Um, but if you have a question, we'd love to hear it and love to answer it. Um, uh, Patrick, you, you had some comments to kind of add to that. Uh, um, what, well, I, you know, it, you know, I was just agreeing that, you know, uh, it, it becomes a cash flow thing. You know, uh, you, you, you live on the business I bought, he ran his business that way. It was, it was a cash flow. Uh, he was, uh, as long as the bays were full, he was, he was cash rich, right. For that day. Um, I changed the business model when I came in and what I found was the clients were not being taken care of. So when I came in, I, I, I find all these clients, perfect example, a uh, little old lady, 80 year old lady came in, um, during the transition and, uh, her car needed $4,000 worth of work because he had been putting it off because he thought he was doing her some kind of favor by, you know, not fixing her car. And now her car's a death trap and we've got to do this work. And, uh, you know, and I've got to, I've got to explain to her, you know, after he's been telling her that her car's okay. And, uh, because I came in and changed the business model, we, you know, we do a complete inspection because I believe, I truly believe coming from a technician's perspective that, if I do a complete inspection on the car, okay, because I got into this business to take care of people, right? I want to do a good job for my customer. And if, if, I'm, not, if I'm not looking at that car and, I, and I'm not at least presenting all the work to the customer, I don't feel like I'm doing my, my clients any, any service. Um, it's, 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 a sad, it's a sad thing for people to turn a blind eye uh, to not take care of their cars, um, because it's dangerous. I mean, uh, this little old lady was a perfect example. I, I, you know, we just, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. This is a hard conversation because, uh, there's that balance. You want to keep the base full, keep the guys working. And I, I agree with Ryan. It's, you know, it's a philosophical thing. Who do you want to be? And I guess that's really the question. You know, everybody has to ask themselves. There's a, um, Charles uh, Ramirez said, um, the real question is, how do you find a good balance? And I'm wondering if that's possible. Um, you know, uh, when I was in California, 
um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a Mormon guy, and I'm only bringing religion in just kind of as an example. Um, and yeah, I, I swear, uh, I try not to, but I was raised in a family that we swore a lot, etc. But, you know, I, I move into Utah. In California, when, when you were Mormon, people were watching. You were very careful, didn't drink, didn't smoke, you know, did, didn't drink coffee, etc. And then I moved into Utah, and uh, in Utah, I would talk to people who had a, you know, a drink in their hand, a beer in their hand, and a cigarette, and they would say, yeah, I'm Mormon too. Um, I wonder if you can, you know, be half of one and half of another when it comes to taking care of my clients, customers, and their cars or not taking care of their, their cars the way that I believe the car should be taken care of. Is there, is there this, like, this balancing act? Well, you know, um, my customers that don't argue about price are going to pay one price, and my customers that do argue about price, I'm going to discount and bring the price down for them. You know, is that, is that fair and is that balance, right? I mean, uh, do I have to be religiously the shop that takes care of the car, make sure everything gets looked at, presents everything, you know, sells a high repair order, or do I have to be only the shop that, that discounts and has a low average repair order? Is there some middle ground uh, that makes sense? I have a hard time with middle ground. I'm a pretty black and white guy. I, I understand gray area, and I know they're gray area in, in, in quite a few things, but I, I, I have a hard time with that. Um, uh, uh, Ryan, what do you think about that? I mean, is there a middle ground? It's a good, I have a good example, actually. When we were in process of changing from doing oil changes to oil services, there was a time where we had both. And um, I hope he doesn't mind. One of my advisors really had trouble. He's like, I have a hard time selling this service when I know I can just sell them an oil change and we'll do the courtesy anyway. So it's important to think about the staff and, and, and struggles they might have with trying to be both. We, we put this into our culture. This is who we are. And, and yeah, now we're trying to, to kind of run two different business models, you know, under the same roof. Now, I think there are some really, really gifted business owners and shop owners out there that, you know, might find a way to, to you know, to make this work in some sense. Um, but I think that, that preaching this or talking about this, I think 90% of the people in our circles out there, uh, a lot of them are like us. We were, we were individuals that started our shop or bought our shop, didn't necessarily know a lot. And we've already struggled with all this stuff. And there's so many pieces of the picture. So to like give permission to so many people to discount, I think it, you know, it just has the potential to do a lot more harm. And people, and another thing, consumers already have a huge trust issue. I feel like that's one of the biggest issues that we struggle with. Yeah. And so, if we're allowing them to haggle, I think that really reinforces the idea that we're overcharging. And so, and especially if it's only, as someone online suggested, only 5% of their people that they are negotiating with, uh, you know, talking about taking it for the team, how about just sticking to your guns and saying, hey, you know, um, this is the quality and this is why this price is. If you want a lesser price, you can go to Midas, and here's why I wouldn't recommend that, but they exist to serve you at that price. And I, I would like to see our industry raise up. And I think yeah. that, you know, charging a fair price and explaining to our customers the value and helping kind of earn that trust. And, and so there's, there's multiple sides to this point that, you know, I think we can look at. So, so we've got a couple of comments online and, and, and they basically say, I'm going to, from Craig and Rocky and, and even uh, David, um, you know, we're the professionals and, and our, our customers rely on us to tell them what's going on with the car, what the car needs. And, 
would it be fair or, or professional if we don't do that because it's, it's in our best interest not to, or we think it's in our best interest? Would you want to go to a doctor that held things back from you and didn't disclose other things because they didn't want to upset you or they didn't want you to pay the price? I, I, I can tell you every time uh, I go to the doctor, I swear and cuss about the, the, uh, the cost of it all, but I want the doctor to tell me what's going on because I want to be a healthy guy. Um, uh, uh, BJ, how, how do you, you know, is there this aspect of are we doing the right thing when we're rushing through the car because we have so many cars lined up that we really can't do a great inspection, not push the sales or, or push everything with the customer because we don't want them not to like us. You know, is, is there, is, is that fair to the customer uh, even though it might be beneficial to the business, I, I don't know. I mean, I I, I can't. I, I think it, I think you really need to figure out for yourself what what do you want out of this business, right? We have a business valuation calculator where you can say, okay, let's paint this picture uh, of what I'd like to see my business look like, right? How much how much pay do I need to make? How much kind of, you know what vacation time am I going to take? All these different things, and then we structure the business around that, right? Um, and, and, I mean, if you don't know that and you're just flying by the seat of your pants and at the end of the month you're saying, uh, wow, everybody got paid but me, well, you know, why is that, right? Um, you just really need to know your value. You need to look at all those things that you do. You need to, uh, you know, uh, you treat your customers really well. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I get really frustrated on, on the other side of it. I know there's you know, different uh, ways people run their business, right? And not everybody's going to do it exactly the same. And some are going to be more profitable than others. I mean, it's okay. There's, there's probably enough for everybody, you know, and we are trying to change industry um, to, to see the way uh, we see things or we would like to see the industry go. Um, I just see it really, find it really hard to give them everything they need and they deserve um, uh, when they come to us by, by shooing them out as fast as possible, you know, just, I, I just, I just have a hard time with it and I just can't get there, you know? All right. This, there's, there's one more thing here and then we're going to, there's a couple of questions that we're going to answer, but I, I think we need to go to this one more kind of question. So if I don't, if I don't discount or, or um, haggle is probably too strong a word. Uh, if I don't negotiate some on my pricing with some of these customers, um, oh, and then I got a whole nother idea here. So, <laughs> um, uh, you know, and, and, and some of those people are going to walk away. That's going to hurt my business that some people walk away and go somewhere else. Um, is that really going to hurt my business if that bottom 5%, that bottom 10% uh, uh, finds a shop that, fits their their model better that they that they want better than my shop um if i'm the guy that says look we're going to do the inspection uh we're going to make sure that we're making the profit that we're supposed to we're going to sell the part at this price we're going to sell the labor at this price and i'm i'm, I'm just not going to negotiate so if if i'm not the guy for you and you don't want to pay my price um go somewhere else it's it's interesting because you know, you, you, you go online, these guys have these, um, these Yelp comments or these Google comments. And, and if you look at the Yelp and the Google, a lot of it is because they brought the wrong customer into their shop who didn't really want what they wanted. 
Um, is it better to be a service advisor that's well-equipped and well-trained to handle those objections and build the additional value in and close out the customer? And is it better to spend that time and get that margin? Or is it better to negotiate it down and not lose that customer potentially? You know, um, and again, I, I think I know what the answer is here because a lot of us were in that same boat. We, we've been trained the same way with same kind of basic philosophies. Um, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, Ryan, you know, is it better to keep that customer even if at a discount price or is it better to let that customer go or should we train our salespeople to build that value so that we don't lose most of those people but we still get our price? What's, what's the better way to go? Well, ideally, you know, we're able to explain our value in a way that they understand and that's a lot of times who we are as educators. I often use the example you know, people say, hey, I got to put $3,000 in this old car. The car is not worth that. And so we help them run through the math of, you know, depreciation and the cost each time you change, you know, say over a 10-year period, you own one car or you own three cars and what that really costs you. It makes a really good case for taking really good care of a car until the engine pops or the transmission pops, and then it makes sense to kind of let it go. I also think a lot of people, if they have the means to own a car, a lot of times they have a credit card and they have a way to pay or just – you know, hoping to negotiate, which again, I think kind of can, can potentially hurt the industry. So I don't know. It's, it, again, it's going to come back to philosophical and what I believe. I think that it's a short-term thing. I think short-term, you can put more net, net profit dollars by filling your extra bays that way. I think it's very possible. Uh, I think, again, not, that's not going to work well for probably a majority of the shops out there. And again, I, I just worry that it's more of a short-term solution I'm in this for the long haul. I mean, I want to be sustainable in my business and I want to help the industry at the same time and I want to help educate the customers. So, so, so one more, I'm sorry, David, I know you have a great question. I'm going to get to it before we're done here. Um, but, but I, I got to go one more, I got, I got to push one more button here. One, I got to go one <laughs> step. Pushing buttons. Right. Um, is it detrimental to the industry and to a lot of the other shops around who now find it more difficult to hold their margins because you're discounting or is that that's business, right? Um, I'm going to be a discount shop. I'm willing to negotiate with my customers so that I get my GP dollars in. Even if I have to do more cars at, at, at lower dollars um, and uh, the guy down the street or the whole industry as a whole, who gives a crap? Uh, about uh, whether or not, uh, you know, we're fairly priced. I always say that currently uh, we're probably 50 to $70 an hour less expensive than we should be as an industry. And that's being held down probably artificially by the guys that are willing to negotiate and they're willing to do the cheap stuff, cheap parts. They don't pay their techs enough, whatever. Um, is that dangerous for the industry that I decide to go ahead and have the philosophy of let's run lots of cars we'll only sell them one or two things and we'll, uh, we'll negotiate if we need to. Is that dangerous for the industry? Uh, um, Patrick. Yeah. I, I personally think it's absolutely dangerous. I, you know, I, <clears throat> there's, there's plenty of, there's plenty of customers there, you know, there's a, there's a butt for every seat. Right. Um, <clears throat> but I don't want to do anything not only to damage my business, but I don't want to damage Ryan's business by, uh, art, by creating a, uh, atmosphere where it's okay to discount so I can undercut the next guy. Um, I, I want to, you know, my goal is to raise this industry up so that we as an industry be, are, are looked at as, as professionals, 
um, and we're valued as professionals, like a doctor. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't agree with anything that, that, that uh, diminishes that. Uh, and I just, I personally choose not to be that person. Uh, I don't talk bad about other shops. Um, and uh, I actually refer, I've, I've fired a couple guys and referred them to other shops in the area that probably be able to take care of them. You know, uh, I, I want everybody to get what they need, uh, but I, I don't want to do it at the detriment of uh, other shop owners or the, or the clients for that matter. Okay, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this shift and and uh, we're gonna answer um, David Johnson's question here, and I think that some of this is fear based. I think sometimes we make bad decisions or, or decisions that are not in our best interest because we're afraid that if I lose that customer, I won't have someone else in that bay. Um, or I don't have enough car count, frankly. And, uh, and so the easiest way to get car count is to lower my price and we're going to drag people in and I'll find uh, good people. So, so let me, um, let me kind of rephrase uh, David's question. So, if, if, if my bays are not as full as I want them to be, you know, Ryan is, uh, Ryan says, I don't have a car count problem. My bays are full most of the time. Uh, and most means probably what, 95, 97, you know, there might be a day or two where I don't have enough cars, but mostly we're, we're full of cars. Patrick, you don't have that problem. I didn't no. have that problem when I ran no. the shop. Uh, um, do the, the question is, what do I do if, uh, you know, what are some good ways uh, besides maybe running that uh, 19 or $24 oil change uh, to bring customers in and, and have a consistent uh, uh, flow of the right people in, in my business, in my shop. So let's start with, uh, let's start with uh, BJ. BJ, what are some uh, 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 marketing things that you would do if, uh, if uh, the bays are not as full as I want them to be? Well, I think first, you know, before you even think about your marketing, you need to find out who your cardboard cutout is, yeah. right, and go after that particular client. Um, you know, I, I've tried different stuff back in the day, it, you know, trying different things because I thought uh, it was price. Um, so you do, you, you put out the $19 oil change and you, you get $19 oil changes. That's what you get. Because uh, they're just looking for the $19 oil change for the most part. Yeah, you might hit a home run once in a while where somebody wants to fix the stuff on their car, but it never, never paid off in you know in my shop. Um, so once I did, once I went through and decided, okay, this is the type of customer that I'm looking for, and I marketed, did some direct marketing, I did some radio uh, in what my area. We did some uh, some TV advertising stuff to help build our brand awareness and stuff and what we were about. Um, that was the only thing that I could really do to bring customers in that were the right customers. Um, every time I tried to do something just to bring car count in and, and just to fill the bays, uh, for the most part, it wasn't the right, the right customer. And all it did was, all it did is drag business down yeah. in the long term. Okay, so, so Patrick, um, my bays aren't as full as I want them to be. Um, I think BJ is absolutely correct. I better decide who I am and what kind of people I want to work on their cars. Uh, if, if I'm a, an inexpensive shop, I'm going to use the word cheap, um, not, on, it, it, not as a detrimental term, even though it, it has that connotation. Let's say that I'm the shop that's running the $25 oil change, um, and a good, really good customer that wants their car really inspected, they want to have that relationship, but the, the service advisor's too busy doing $24 oil changes, 
to have that relationship. And the techs are too busy doing $24 oil changes to really inspect the car and, and, and create the plan. Am I going to be happy in that shop if I am that customer that wants that, that extra service, that, that extra stuff? And uh, if I'm, an, I'm the guy that, uh, um, that wants the inexpensive job, doesn't really want someone to look at my car, how am I going to be happy in a shop that does a complete inspection and takes the time to do these things and then tries to sell me $3,000 worth of stuff? Um, uh, Patrick, what's your thoughts? Well, I, I think you know the answer to that, but uh, uh, of course not. You know, again, I go back to there's everybody's got to figure out, first of all, who they are, you know, as a shop. If, if you're going to be the cheap guy, that's what you're going to get. Um, if, if, if you're, if you're sick and tired of scraping the bottom of the barrel, then you got to do something different. Um, nobody's ever happy not getting what they want. Um, I've got some clients that uh, uh, don't like the new business model, about 5% of them. Uh, we changed our business model. <clears throat> we are a relationship model. Uh, we have loaner cars. Uh, we have a three-year warranty. Uh, we uh we provide rental cars for all of our clients. Um, we do all the all the stuff to make it a, a good experience for our clients, uh, and most everybody likes that. Uh, there are those that don't want that, and those I send down the road. Um, and you know, if car counts an issue, uh, the thing that I have found in this industry uh, that holds true, no matter what it is, whether it be reviews or car count or whatever, you got to ask for what you want. Uh, the customers that like you and that come there, they have friends, they have family. If, if you're not asking for what you want, asking for referrals, uh, as far as the marketing aspect, that's a huge thing. Um, asking for referrals from the people who do, who do frequent your shop, whether you run a discount model or you run a relationship model. Um, if you're asking for, for those referrals, that's a good source of uh, new clients. So, so um, let me see if I understand you correctly. Mm -hmm. Having a referral program, a real process where you ask for referrals routinely from your clients and uh, actually reward them in some way, I would say no free auto repair, no. Uh, no discounts on auto repair, but you reward your good clients for sending you good customers. That's going to add more cars to my to my, to my car count. Right? Yeah, we we do we do we do uh, uh, Starbucks cards, you know, gift cards, um, uh, movie tickets, uh, you know, we do handwritten thank you cards. You know, whatever your business model is, you know, you, you tailor it to fit whatever your model is, but it okay. works. Okay, Ryan, I, I don't have enough people in my base. I've got a, a fairly good referral process, and my service advisor is asking every customer for referrals. We're doing good follow-up on that. Um, what else could I do to fill my base? You have a shop. You need clients. What, what, what are you doing that's putting, that, that makes it so you don't have to worry about car count? I mean, I think the first thing, if you've got someone standing around, is before you even look anywhere else, look inside the shop. Look at the cars that are already there. I mean, I know this is... Everyone should already know this, but I mean, if you're, if you don't feel like you have enough cards and your ARO is $300, there's more work there that's already in your shop. You don't even need to go anywhere else. Now, once your ARO is higher and you feel like, hey, you're taking care of the customers properly and you're maximizing your, your no pay time, and then it's time to look for more cards, and that's fine. I think that there are, you know, all the typical and more current best practices. Uh, Facebook marketing has very powerful targeting, so if you are, uh, would like to define your customer. I mean, you can really, really go after that particular person as opposed to, 
you know, doing a mailer and just hitting everyone in the neighborhood. Um, AdWords, same thing. You can really kind of target these to word exactly who it is that, that you think. I mean, especially if you have a specialty shop. I mean, you don't want to waste time in the marketing to cars you don't even work on. Um, I, some of the um, um, feedback we've gotten from people who we ask how they found us and other successful shops, you'd be surprised. Referral can still be like 50 to 60% of, of, of where your new customers are. And so two things, when you look at that, first off, you realize that how important a referral program is, but also how you take care of your existing customers, loyal customers. They take less time to sell. So you have to look at your attrition rate and your dead customers and think, are we really, really taking awesome care of these people, or are we constantly like treading water trying to get new people in there because we don't have enough loyal customers? So working on what's already in the shop in terms of ARO, working on who's already a customer and are we keeping them? Do we have a customer relationship management system, do we reach out to them, do we send them thank you cards, um, and yeah, do we have a referral program, all that stuff is so much less expensive, in, in my opinion, than, than a lot of the marketing stuff that you can do, and that's, that's like last in line, but a lot of people, I mean, if you need something quick, I mean, generating like good, um, goodwill with existing customers, that takes time, you've got to, which goes back to deciding what kind of shop you're going to be, it's a long-term strategy, and uh, if you want something quick, I mean, yeah, you, you can discount, and that's uh, that's one way to do it. But so let you get. Let, let, let me point another. I just love the conversation. <laughs> uh, um, I keep having these ideas pop up in my head. So if I'm rushing 25 cars a day through four technicians, can those technicians uh, really do a great job of inspecting the car? Can they? Uh, uh, you know, fill the paperwork out the way I need to. Can they communicate with the service advisor? And can the, maybe I have three service advisors handling 25 clients, but um, if I have three service advisors and my cost goes up as opposed to maybe a shop that has 13 cars a day or 14 cars a day with a higher average of pair order and four technicians, at that point, you know, does the car get a better inspection? Does the customer get a better feel? Um, do they get more attention? Uh, uh, you know, can a very high volume, high car count shop give the customer the same uh, uh, touch and feel as a, a lower volume, not necessarily dollars wise, but car count wise shop with the same staff? Can they do that? Can, can a, a, a shop with four techs and, and uh, 25 cars a day treat the customer and do the inspections the same as a shop with 13 cars and four techs a day. Uh, BJ, I know I got Ryan. I know I got Patrick over there. He's like, no, <laughs> no. Okay. Um, and if, if, if the way that I treat my customer and make them feel while they're in my shop is probably, you know, to me, it's like one of the most important things. You know, if I have a great culture and customers feel good about coming to my business and they feel like they're special and they're getting the attention they need and we're taking care of their car, um, you know, what, what are the, um, okay. I, I got another one here from Bambi. We're, we'll, we'll ask this question. We've got another six minutes or so. Uh, and do the techs feel a part of a family and appreciated? Uh, is there a cost to high turnover of techs? Cause you're wearing them out and you're running too many cars to them, not allowing them to really do their job. Yep. Uh, um, yeah. So Patrick, what, what are your thoughts on that? We'll give you a, a minute or two here and, <laughs> Well, uh, just, I mean, I, I, I've, I've done every single job in a shop, you know, uh, 
I've been in that shop where it's high car count, uh, low average repair order. Uh, I, I wasn't happy. I did. I mean, I had work, but I wasn't making any money. Um, you know, you, you, the way I look at it is, you know, we got into this industry to take care of uh, our customers and uh, you can't do a good job from the technician to the owner, the service advisor, everybody in between. You can't do a good job if you're rushing through it. Um, this is a relationship. Uh, it's about relationships. It's about the relationships with your employees. It's about the relationships with your customers. It's about all those relationships and how you cultivate them and the culture you create in your business. That's what's gonna. That's what's gonna be the difference. And and being like Ryan says, being sustainable is is what is sustainable. And for me, being sustainable and creating a culture within the business for the customers and the employees is more important so that I could do a good job for them, take good care of their cars and, and have those long, long lasting customers for, for years and years and years. So, so there are guys out there kind of teaching and again, maybe, maybe this is the wrong question, but I, but I think it might be a good question. You know, this is about business and this is about me being profitable. So if I um, have to not pay the tech as well as I might uh, to put the gross profit in my bottom line and not, you know, that 5% I'm going to give up is going to come from my tech or maybe my supplier. I'm going to beat up my supplier for a better price on everything. Is that the right thing to do because this is just business and if the supplier can't protect himself or the tech can't protect themselves, is it okay that I beat everybody up over price so that I get what I need, but they don't get what they need? Mm -hmm. um, Ryan, we got a couple of minutes. I'm going to let you uh, 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 say whatever you, you feel like you need to say there uh, about that. I think that there, you could almost make a case in multi-store operations that you know, you'd have an easier time getting away with that. I think as a, as a single store, especially a small to mid-sized single store, which I... That's kind of how I look at a lot of, you know, our audience and the circles that we're in out there. I just don't think that it's it's a good way to do business for them. Um, and as far as multiple store operations, I mean, yeah, you can make less less net per, you know, per store. And as a as a as an owner or a, whatever the corporate structure is or the stockholders, you know, they could probably do okay. But uh, you know, I, I don't want to offend anyone, but like you're you're kind of moving toward being a chain store. I mean, is is a is a large chain like Midas profitable? Probably. Um, is it good for our industry? I, I don't think so. Uh, but they have to exist, and I, I see that too. So, I agree. If McDonald's is out there. I I'd, I'd rather eat Chipotle and spend a few more dollars and be healthier. But I, I get that it's just it's kind of I don't know. It's a yin and yang. They're always going to exist. So. Me is going to come back to who I want to be. We got we got one more question. I think I think it's a good question. Um, and uh, uh, Joe says, uh, "What if you you lower your car count and and do better inspections, but you're not finding the repairs, so the higher average repairs aren't there. You're either not finding it or you're not able to sell it. Um, so now I, I don't have as many cars, but I'm also not raising my average repair order. I'm I'm not making that work." Um, I, I find it, I think it's two part. Will the repairs be there if I do good inspections? Yep. Um, uh, Patrick says, yes. I think Ryan says, yes. I believe BJ would say yes. I think our typical, uh, uh, if you look at the, the hundred plus customers that we have, 
that uh, typically the guys that are doing good inspections are finding twelve to fourteen hundred dollars on a in a general repair shop, and in the German car shops, we're finding eighteen hundred about twenty four hundred uh, routinely with a good inspection. Um, the second part of that is, can I sell it? Can can does my service advisor have the the ability to get my customer to feel good about uh, doing business with us, and 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 that will the customer spend the money? Frankly, there's a lot of people out there that are still uh, financially strapped. I also would say that's a marketing problem because you're bringing the wrong people in. <laughs> but but uh, you know, um, what do you do if the if you do that? Slow it down, but you're not bringing the the they're not finding the repairs, or you're not able to sell the repairs. Can't bring the it's it's education, uh, educating your techs, educating your staff it's it comes back to education okay um bj uh last thoughts you you get the last minute and then i'm going to wrap up with just a couple things well i would say that if the average predator doesn't come up we're not doing a good thorough inspection and we need to look at the the training process behind that make sure that we have a good a tech in the shop that can that can deck and show the rest of the techs how exactly we want that done and make sure it's done consistently and that we audit those uh, inspection sheets to be sure that they're uh, being done correctly. Also, a, as far as the service advisor goes, we have a program for that, so stay tuned. Okay. And then uh, um, Craig is saying there comes a point with your regular customers where you've, you've done everything on their car. Uh, they're coming back to you because they love you, but you're not finding a lot of work that needs to be done. First of all, I would say, um, uh, are your cars, are your customers driving BMWs? Because when they come in, they get a lot of work. Um, what are your customers driving? I know maybe they're all driving Toyotas and they don't need as much work, but. Well, we kind of had the same discussion the other day with Tom regarding that type of situation in his yeah. shop. So. Yeah. And then, and then if you're doing marketing and you're in, and, and you are doing a good referral program and et cetera, you're going to, you're going to build that yep. customer base. I think one of the problems with the discount customers are not as loyal even though they may come in once, the next time they're going to look for that discount. If I'm not continually discount, I'm not going to bring them back. And then they also don't buy as much in general. So if I build my business on the wrong customers, it's going to be a more difficult business. I can still make it work, but it might be more difficult. Um, all right, we're, we're running out of time. I'd like to thank everyone that uh, came on. Uh, uh, there's uh, Brian asked, what's a good inspection time frame? I will tell you that uh, if you're running a DVI system, we're probably looking at 20 to 30 minutes for a good inspection. Mm -hmm. If you're running a manual system like we used to do in the old days, uh, I know I shouldn't say that because it makes me look like an old grandpa, but I am <laughs> an old grandpa, uh, 39 years worth of experience in the industry. Um, if you're running a, a, a manual type inspection, my guys could do it in about 10 to 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, I like the DVIs in a lot of ways. I don't like them in some other ways. Uh, maybe uh, that would be a good uh, thing to ask on our next meeting. So for all of you that ha are watching this or have watched this, uh, thank you for my participants, Patrick, BJ, and, and Ryan. Thank you so much for being here. Um, our next uh, show will be June 7th at uh, 10 a.m. We're going to do this uh, every two weeks. Uh, we would love to have you there. We'll see some uh, advertising uh, uh, throughout through our Facebook and, and through some other methodologies so that uh, you know when that is. This will be reposted uh, tonight at, six, uh, at six, 6 p.m. And also on the 7th, we'll repost. So we're gonna do the meeting during the day. We're gonna repost it uh, in the evening for those guys that uh, gotta watch in the evening. And once again, if you wanna ask questions, you'll get answers from us. Questions at I-F-O-R-A-B-E 
www.thepowerofpositivityclub.com. Again, thank you so much for your participation, guys. Thank you so much for being here online with us. Uh, uh, Please uh, uh, have a great uh, day, a great week, and and, and, and do your best uh, to help the industry. Cecil, I wanted to give a quick shout-out to Gary at Airport Automotive in Colorado Springs. He has really done a complete turnaround. He's on target to do over a million dollars this year, first time ever. So uh, he's, here. He's, he's doing really well. His, his margins are all uh, doing really well. Uh, he's come a long way. So so big shout out to Gary at Airport Automotive. Yay, Gary. Good and, job, Gary. And uh, keep up the good work, Gary, and everyone else. Again, we're here to help. Uh, please let us know how we can help you. Uh, have a great day. Thank you. Join us next time on The Leading Edge as we talk about finding, hiring, and training top talent for your successful shop. As always, The Leading Edge is every first and third Thursday of every month at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Join the Institute Group on Facebook and get advice from other top shop owners as well as our experienced consultants. Brought to you by the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence.